Good morning. Good to see you all. Well, how's everyone's week been? Good week? Wow. You can applaud it. It's been a good week. Okay. I'm glad you've had a good week. We are starting a new series, a series entitled Crave. And we're asking the question, what does your soul crave? And why are we doing this series? I want to get to some practical things. Have you ever wanted to communicate your faith in Jesus and have found it very awkward? Have found it like trying to talk about aliens to, you know, people who don't believe in aliens? (laughs) Right? Some of you don't? No, I'm just kidding. There, there is this feeling sometimes that you're coming from another planet when you start talking about your faith. And how do you bring this discussion of who Jesus is and why belief in God is so important at your work situation when you're a carpenter or you're an accountant and you just feel like, um, by the way, yeah, those are great numbers. You know, the Bible has a book of numbers, you know, I mean... I, How is that for a segue, you know, just trying to to figure it out. I can remember years ago, I I went with this group to go street witnessing because we're not ashamed of the gospel. And I had my big Thompson chain reference Bible with me and I was walking and we went to a park and I had a shirt. I had a shirt, you know, those caution signs they look i had a shirt and had an arrow pointing up and an arrow pointing down and at the bottom it says the choice is yours so i was witnessing before i even started talking i was coming up to them i was like read the shirt because i'm coming to talk to you (laughs) and i can remember going to people and i'd start telling them these bible verses and they'd look at me and just shake their and not really wanting to talk. And I remember one specific time in this park, I went and there's this playground area and there was this guy and I said, okay, that's the guy. I'm going to go up to him. You know, and I'm just, okay, here I go. You know, I'm just like ready to fight, right? I'm going in there and I said, excuse me, sir, have you ever heard about Jesus Christ? And do you know where you're going if you die? Something like that. I don't even remember what I said. And the guy looked at me and he goes, I'm just trying to spend Saturday with my kids. And I was like, I'm sorry. (laughs) I'm just trying to save your soul from hell, but I'll go, you know. It just felt so awkward, and I had empathy for him because I could understand. Imagine working Monday through Friday and then coming to the park to get some time, quality time with your kids, and this stranger comes up with this big old Bible and this weird old shirt and starts talking to you about these things, and he just really, I don't want this right now. And sometimes... That seems like what this message of Jesus Christ comes down to is this kind of craziness that I've got to bring this this life-changing story to you, but it's always awkward. And I want to look about a more effective way, a way that's not only normal, but effective. You know... Seth Godin, who's an author, wrote, We cure disagreements by building a bridge of mutual respect first, a bridge that permits education or dialogue or learning. When you burn that bridge, you ensure nothing but disagreement and conflict. 
if we feel that we are peddling this gospel, that we are pushing this, a lot of times it's going to be met with conflict. And unless we are able to engage in actual dialogue, in conversation, where we are learning and instructing others also on what we believe, then it's going to be difficult for anything of value or substance to take place. And I know there are always the exceptions where someone came in and preached and went door to door and someone accepted Jesus. Maybe you're here. Maybe you're one of those people who answered the Billy Graham crusader on TV. I know they're out there somewhere. But there are a lot of people who won't respond to that. And so what can we do to try and connect to people in a way that is natural? I mean, shouldn't God be available to people? And so the idea of crave is to have an intense or powerful desire for something. And I want to ask the question, from what's revealed in Scripture, from what we know about God, do you think that God would make it difficult for people to find Him? And let's face it, He won't be found if He doesn't want to be found. But from all we see in Scripture, it is God who is doing the seeking. God is the one who reached out to Abraham. God was the one who encountered Moses. God is the one who stepped into time and history in the person of Jesus Christ. God is the, the figure that Jesus talks about in the parable that goes and searches for that one lost sheep. And so it, it seems that throughout Scripture, God is wanting to be found. Well, if He's wanting to be found, maybe it's a lot easier than we're making it. Maybe he is actually showing up in areas where we're just not looking. Maybe God is revealing himself in ways that we haven't explored fully. In C.S. Lewis's book, Mere Christianity, he, he talks about not understanding a lot of the world or the universe that's around him. Because it's so vast. The universe is so expansive. We know very little about that universe. But he says, I know a lot more about the universe in me. And it's a lot easier for me to have an understanding of who God is if in fact God is the one who created me. Then wouldn't I be able to see the fingerprints of God on my own soul? in my own life, and that God would be showing up in His work that He has made, which, again, is us. And so we're going to look at this idea of craving, these strong desires we have, because maybe these cravings are like breadcrumbs left in our soul that will lead us to God. When I was, I think, in sixth grade, I came home from school and I was hungry. So I had a good hearty meal that any sixth grader would have, a bowl of cereal. Big bowl. 
I had a big bowl. I had a big bowl of cereal, and it was probably Captain Crunch or Fruit Loops, something with a lot of sustenance. <laughs> and so I ate this huge bowl of cereal, and then I went out and started shooting some hoops in my backyard because I used to play basketball against my brother, my stepbrother, who's six foot one, and I used to be shorter than I am now, but he's always been six foot one. I think he was born six foot one. But so I had to work on my moves because I would play him all the time. And so I, I was sitting there and I was working on my outside shots. I was doing some swings, some hooks. I was doing all these things. And all of a sudden, I felt like I was going to pass out. I just got really lightheaded and I just felt like I was starving to death. I was just hungry and I was like, oh my gosh, I'm just, I need to get something to eat. Now I'd just eaten a huge bowl of cereal. But I went inside, I opened the refrigerator, and we didn't have microwaves, so I just got some chicken that was there, the leftover from the night before, and I just started devouring this chicken. And it was like the best chicken ever. And you see, I didn't realize what my body needed and what my body craved was protein. I didn't want another bowl of cereal. That just was not drawing me. The chicken called my name. The chicken said, you need me. And I did. My body knew that it needed protein. Because I would never choose chicken over cereal. What sixth grader would? But my body craved it. My body knew what it needed, even though my mind didn't understand. And our souls crave God, even though sometimes our minds don't understand. We desire certain things, not understanding fully where those desires come from. But that's what this series is going to be about, exploring those cravings and see if they, in fact, aren't cravings left by God to give us understanding of who He is by what He's put inside of us. Turn with me to Genesis chapter 3. So let's look at the very beginning. As we look at creation and the start of it all, we're going to start about with the fall. And so Genesis chapter 3, verse 1. It says, now the serpent was more crafty than any of the wild animals the Lord had made. He said to the woman, did God really say you must not eat of any tree in the garden? The woman said to the serpent, we may eat fruit from the trees in the garden. But God did say you must not eat fruit from the tree that is in the middle of the garden and you must not touch it or you will die. You surely will not die, the serpent said to the woman, for God knows that when you eat from it, your eyes will be opened and you will be like God, knowing good and evil. When the woman saw that the fruit of the tree was good for food and pleasing to the eye and also desirable for gaining wisdom, she took some and ate it. She also gave some to her husband who was with her and he ate it. Then the eyes of both of them were opened. And they realized they were naked, so they sewed fig leaves together and made coverings for themselves. Then the man and his wife heard the sound of the Lord God as he was walking in the garden in the cool of the day. 
and they hid from the Lord God among the trees of the garden. But the Lord God called to the man, Where are you? He answered, I heard you in the garden, and I was afraid because I was naked, so I hid. And he said, Who told you that you were naked? Have you eaten from the tree that I commanded you not to eat from? The man said, The woman you put here with me, she gave me some fruit from the tree, and I ate it. Then the Lord God said to the woman, What is this you have done? The woman said, The serpent deceived me, and I ate. Now there's something more going on here than just eating bad fruit. There is a narrative that's taking place that's important that we understand. And first I want to ask the question, when Adam and Eve were in paradise, did they have any needs? We instinctively want to say, no, they're in paradise, so you don't need anything. But you see, there were needs. They needed to eat. In fact, the first command, God said, eat freely. So they needed food for sustenance. In chapter 2, God breathed into their nostrils the breath of life. And from that point on, they needed oxygen to live. There were streams that flowed through the garden. They needed water. You see, we think that in paradise you have no needs, but in the beginning, before the fall, there were needs. In fact, remember Adam. There was not a help suitable for him. And so God says it's not good that the man live alone. Adam had a need that he didn't even know about. And God had to kind of wake him up to that. And so God shows him all these animals, and there's two giraffes, and there's two zebras. I'm in the Africa section right now. And there's two dogs, and there's two fishes, or whatever. But there wasn't someone suitable for him. But there was a need. And see, God saw the need that Adam had. And God gave Adam what he needed before he even realized it. God met the craving of his soul before he was even aware. And and so when Adam saw Eve, he, he woke up. You guys know the story. He woke up and he saw her and he said, this is now bone of my bone, flesh of my flesh. She shall be called woman. Her name contained his. And what he was saying is she is the completion of who I am. And so man needed at the very beginning companionship. He desired intimacy. And so there were needs at the very beginning, even in paradise. It's not like there were no needs, there were no cravings. And you see, we have cravings. You crave food. And isn't it great that God made food taste good? I mean, we we crave certain things. I mean, how many of you like fruit? Right? You like strawberries? They're in season right now. 
Strawberry lovers? See, certain things you crave. I don't know too many people who crave lima beans. Anyone here crave lima beans? Yeah, I didn't think so. Or broccoli? Front row, of course. Broccoli. I crave broccoli. If you wrap it in bacon, I might tolerate broccoli. <laughs> but we, we have cravings. There are certain things that we desire because that's how we were made, with those needs. To desire food, to desire drink, to desire companionship. In fact, we take those cravings and we develop them. Anyone crave chocolate? More of you. Some of you are just like, I'm not going to say yes. I don't want anyone to know. <laughs> See, because then what we do is we take these things. It's like strawberries are good and chocolate is good. Let's make chocolate covered strawberries. See, and there's an idea. I think even God said that's a good idea. And so I happen to have here some chocolate-covered strawberries. There's milk chocolate and there's white chocolate. Oh, they smell lovely. Anyone crave a strawberry? Anyone here? Come on up. You can come get your strawberries. Come on up. Notice the women. <laughs> Go ahead. I gladly admit it. I love chocolate. Whichever one. Thank you. They both went for the milk chocolate. Don't worry about that. Just as long as you got the chocolate. The dark chocolate would be better. Dark chocolate. <laughs> Note to self, dark chocolate would be better. Two left. Anyone want one? Okay, here you go. All right. Thank you. Now, I don't know why it's all the women who got the chocolate. <laughs> Guys, note to self, they like chocolate. Covered strawberries. You see, you see something like that and you start desiring. Just like I desired chicken when I was low on protein and needed that strength. Sometimes we see these things and man, it's just like, oh, that sounds so good right now. I was in this store where I got the strawberries yesterday. I didn't know the store existed. And it was a candy store. And I was like a kid in a candy store. There, there was every type of chocolate. There was English. I had to do everything in my power not to give in to those cravings because I'm trying hard to stay control of myself. But you see, Adam and Eve had cravings. You and I have cravings. They're natural. The problem is sometimes the things that we crave and desire actually can cause problems for us. You see, in the, the, our, our, the problem in the garden wasn't that they ate fruit. The problem in the garden was what they desired and where that desire led them. And so many times we start craving the wrong things. And instead of craving the things that bring us health, we start craving things that take us away from health. And I know you've experienced that. You see, I crave the pizza. I crave the things. And I can overeat because of those cravings. The food isn't the bad thing. It's that I let the craving start dominating me instead of me dominating the cravings. And, and pretty soon, those things that were important to us start dominating us. 
See, we have cravings that will drive us mad when we live outside of God. But they were intended to drive us to God. Just recently, a student from Etiwanda and a teacher from Colonies High School committed suicide just last week. And when I have dealt with families where someone has committed suicide, you start finding out that this person has, who has committed suicide had this haunting, gnawing burden that they just couldn't fill. This feeling of loneliness, this feeling of inadequacy that they kept wanting to fill, but no matter what they did, this this desire, this craving that they had wasn't satisfied. And the reason it wasn't satisfied is because those cravings are without the awareness of the God who gave them. And you see, when we have these cravings, if we don't connect them to the God who gave us and created us with these desires, we start losing meaning and purpose. Matthew chapter 4, we see the temptation of Jesus. And as Jesus is there out in the wilderness being tempted... It's important that we understand the humanity of Christ. It says in chapter 4, verse 1, Then Jesus was led by the Spirit into the wilderness to be tempted by the devil. After fasting 40 days and 40 nights, he was hungry. The tempter came to him and said, If you are the Son of God, tell these stones to become bread. Jesus answered, It is written, Man shall not live on bread alone, but on every word that comes from the mouth of God. And for some reason, we think when Jesus is tempted and hungry, it's not the same as when I'm tempted and hungry. You see, Jesus being tempted and going without food for 40 days isn't the same as me going without food for 40 days. It's not the same as me going without food for 40 minutes. Right? Some of you go one day and you're starving to death. And we tend to think that, well, it was Jesus, so it wasn't really that bad. But no, 40 days, he is starving. His body is desiring food. He is craving food. And you see, you can't have temptation in your life without having a craving in your soul. It's something that you want, that you are resisting. Now, what is Jesus Resisting. Let's not spiritualize this. When he says, it is written, man shall not live by bread alone, but by every word that proceeds from the mouth of God. When you're hungry, quoting that verse isn't going to make you less hungry. Don't spiritualize it. Jesus is saying, I don't need food. All I need is what comes from God. That's not what he's saying. He's not saying he doesn't need food But what he's trying to do is connect us to the craving that what we need more than the craving is the God who is the creator of us. 
And the temptation that's taking place here isn't, again, just about the food, just like it wasn't just about the fruit in the garden. It was about taking something and being satisfied apart from the God who has given it. The whole concept in the garden was God had given them everything and He says, this you're to abstain from. This is just obedience to Me. And they said, well, that has something I desire, I crave, and I crave that more than I create, crave that connection relationship with you. And so as Jesus is being tempted, it's not just about the bread. It's about the connection between God. And He would not respond to this temptation as the Son of God, but He would respond to this as a man dependent on God. And that's why when Satan tempts him, he says, if you're the Son of God, look at you're up here. You shouldn't be hungry. And Jesus says, man shall not live. I'm not going to respond to you as the Son of God. I am going to respond to you as a man dependent on God. And what I need is to be connected to God even more than I need food. And even though I have a craving for food that is God-given, if I remove God from that craving, then I step into the problem. And what happens in our lives is we start separating God from the things that we crave. And so you crave intimacy, but you separate yourself from God in that, and God is no longer a part of that intimate relationships that you have with other people, and there's problems. You, you start thinking of food as just something for you to consume, and you stop connecting the fact that God has given us all things all freely to enjoy. And now we're not grateful, we're just consumers. We're living just like animals. And the whole idea is to keep God in the mix. In fact, Jesus is actually quoting Deuteronomy chapter 8, verses 2 to 5, and then we're also going to look at 10 through 18. So turn to Deuteronomy chapter 8. Remember now, how the Lord your God led you all the way in the wilderness these 40 years to humble and test you in order to know what was in your heart, whether or not you would keep his commands. He humbled you, causing you to hunger and then feeding you with manna, which neither you nor your ancestors had known, to teach you that man does not live on bread alone, but on every word that comes from the mouth of the Lord. And so when they were wandering in the wilderness, this wafer-like substance would come and it would be there on the ground and they would have to go and they would pick it up. The word manna means what is it? That's the translation. They went out there and they said, what is it? And they go, yeah. And then they took it and that was their food. But they could only take what was necessary for that day. If they tried to get enough manna to have some for tomorrow, it would spoil and it would go rotten, except on the Sabbath, that manna would last for two days. And see, God was creating in them this dependency on Him. We need food. We need whatever this is. We need it. 
but we must depend on God for it. And so God used this hunger, this craving in them to lead them to a place of dependency. Verse 4, it says, Your clothes did not wear out and your feet did not swell during these 40 years. Know then in your heart that as a man disciplines his son, so the Lord your God disciplines you. That God was working in them to try and bring them to a place of relationship. Go down to verse 10. When you have eaten and are satisfied, praise the Lord your God for the good land he has given you. Be careful that you do not forget the Lord your God, failing to observe his commands, his laws, and his decrees that I am giving you this day. Otherwise, when you eat and are satisfied, when you build fine houses and settle down, and when your herds and flocks grow large and your silver and gold increase and all you have is multiplied, then your heart will become proud. And you will forget the Lord your God who brought you out of Egypt, out of the land of slavery. He led you through the vast and dreadful wilderness, that thirsty and waterless land with its venomous snakes and scorpions. He brought you water out of hard rock. He gave you manna to eat in the wilderness, something your ancestors had never known, to humble and test you so that in the end it might go well with you. You may say to yourself, my power and my strength in my hands have produced this wealth for me. But remember the Lord your God, for it is he who gives you the ability to produce wealth and so confirms his covenant, which he swore to your ancestors as it is today. And you see, the point that Jesus was making is that when being tempted... He is not going to respond in his strength, but is going to respond in his relationship to live in harmony and relationship to God. And the God who created us with these needs to eat, to drink, to breathe, to be connected to others is the God who can satisfy those needs. And and let's face it, when things are going well, when we have the surplus, when we're not hungry, it's easy to lose sight of how important God is in our lives. At least it has been for me in my past. Whenever we're struggling, it seems like we cry out to God. Talking to a person who just got out of rehab and now has gotten a job, my advice to him was don't forget what you've learned these past months in rehab. Because it's easy now that you're out and now that you have the money, now that you have the freedom to lose sight of why you were in that place in the beginning. The same thing happens with people in prison. So many people who I talk to who are in prison, they love God, they find God. They're, yeah, I'm going to serve God. They get out and they have freedom. And now we see what they really serve. And the cravings are separated from God and they start to destroy us. And what Jesus is dealing with in the temptation is I am not going to answer this craving of my body without an understanding of God. That God is the one 
who I respond to, that my cravings are submitted and connected to Him. And again, those cravings, what they start to do is bring us to an understanding of our need for God. What happened in Genesis is the serpent told them that they are there's more to be had without God and that these things that they craved were more important than the God who gave them the cravings. Don't believe that the things that we need are more important than the God who created us with those needs. And sometimes when we don't believe that God is what we need, we spend our time craving the wrong things. It's like we we crave bread, but we're eating rocks. We desire food, but we're not eating anything of substance. We're just eating cereal, and it doesn't supply the, the need that our bodies actually have because those needs are connected to the God who gave them. And so throughout Scripture, we see this equating God with the needs that we have, these cravings that we have. We see it in Psalm 34, verse 8, Taste and see that the Lord is good. I love that he connects it to food, because we love food, don't we? Don't we? Is it just me? Maybe it's that Italian upbringing. No, food is primal. You know, we need food. Every time the family gets together, there's food. And there's always too much food. Because you've got to have the food. And, and here the psalmist says, taste and see that the Lord is good. That desire you have for that chocolate-covered strawberry. There is a desire you have for God. Taste and see that the Lord is good. You, God, are my God. Earnestly I seek you. I thirst for you. My whole being longs for you in a dry and parched land where there is no water. You ever been really, really thirsty? Man, water is just what's needed. I remember a few years back when we were in Haiti, we went and camped out in this one place where they were building a a church and a school. And we had to hike this mountain to get back and we ran out of water. We had one bottle of water between like six of us. And so we hike up, we get in this car and we're in the car and we're driving and there's not like, hey, there's a 7-Eleven, let's get some water. There is nothing. You're just driving and driving. And we had this one bottle of water and it wasn't even a full bottle of water. And I'm with five other people who I don't know really well, but I don't mind sharing the water at this point because we are so thirsty. Finally, we see a store, we pull over and we just got water. We, got so, we just needed some hydration. And what happens if you don't get water? If you're dehydrated, your body stops functioning. You start locking up and you start cramping up and pretty soon it could become terminal if you don't have that water. You see here the psalmist says, my whole being longs for you, thirsts for you is in a dry and parched land where there is no water. I, I have a vague feeling of where there is no water and how good water tasted 
when it was there. And so here is this connection with God to the things that we desire. In Isaiah 26.9, it says, My soul yearns for you in the night. In the morning, my spirit longs for you. Here is the desire for companionship, for someone to be there. Do you remember when your kids were little and, and they were sick? And you've given them all the medicine you can give them and you've done all that you can physically for them. Sometimes really what they just want is to be on your chest and near you. And in those nights when they're frightened or not feeling well, what do they do? They come and get into your bed because they want to be close to you. And so the psalmist is saying how he yearns for the Lord in the night. In the morning, his spirit longs for God. These desires, these cravings, we understand them. They are a part of our humanity. And yet here is a connection to God with the things that we crave. In Psalm 42, it says, As the deer pants for streams of water, so my soul pants for you, my God. My soul thirsts for God, for the living God. When can I go and meet with God? Just as our souls or our bodies crave water, just as our bodies crave food, just as we crave companionship, our souls crave God. And God has put that in every human being. And so I don't need to go outside and find some evidence to prove God. Oh, I might. It might be helpful to give some answers to questions that are there. But there is already a longing that everyone has, a craving that is calling out to God and people are going crazy trying to fill this craving with everything they can. It is fruit that is separated from God. It is rocks that we want to turn to bread, but they're just rocks apart from God. They are things that have no value because they're not connected to the God who gives value to all things. And we run from the one our soul longs for the most. People run from God even though he is the one their souls desire. Matthew chapter 5, Jesus said, Blessed are those who hunger and thirst after righteousness. And he said, They will be filled. There is the desire for God to be found by us. He's put the craving in each one of us that is only satisfied when we hunger and thirst after what is right. And that's why the story has happened over and over again in my life and in so many 
other lives. I, I can remember trying to satisfy that hunger, that soul craving. And I can remember exploring in different religions. And I can remember dealing in different relationships and in drugs and in different life things that I would try and do to, to meet this need. And I can remember just feeling like, man, this isn't it. This isn't it. This isn't it. I remember coming to Christ and there was this, this is it. Where that desire has now been met. It doesn't mean I don't have needs. It doesn't mean I don't have struggles. But my soul has found what it's been craving. And now my desire is to walk in this, to continue in this relationship. And so maybe we can ask God to meet us in our point of need. Maybe what we can do is ask God to show us how these cravings can take us into an understanding of who He is. And in the next weeks, what we're going to be doing is looking at some of these cravings that human beings have and see how can we help people see that what they desire was planted there by the God who created them. And if they would actually see what it is they want, they would see the fulfillment of what they want in the God who has created us, who's created us with needs, who has created us, created us with cravings, who has created us with the desire to satisfy these cravings. And all we really need to do is see the bread that's there. To see the fruit that is available. And stop reaching for the fruit that is separated from the God who gives these cravings. Let's pray. Father, it's my desire to be able to communicate my faith in you clearly with other people. And Lord, through this series, I, I pray you would help me to share with everyone who is here meaningful and helpful ways to do just that. Lord, that as we go through this series, it wouldn't be in vain. It would be with purpose to help us communicate the things that are important, not only to us, but to the people we love, to our family, to our friends. And Lord, may we see that you are already at work in the lives of those we love. Father, that just as we desire and crave natural things, they crave those things too. And as we desire and crave you, so do they. But maybe they just don't see it yet. And so, Lord, may we help connect the dots in their life. And may you help us to connect those dots in our lives as well. And Father, I do pray for any who are here this morning who, who maybe have not filled that craving with you. God, they are constantly desiring and hungering after something 
And Lord, they haven't realized that what they really are desiring is the God who has given them these cravings. And I pray, Father, that they would call upon your name. Father, that they would find their substance in you, their substance in you. That their thirst would be quenched in you. That their hunger would be satisfied in you. That their soul's longing would be met by you. Lord, thank you for this morning. Bless everyone here the rest of our day and the rest of our week. Thank you in Jesus' name. Amen.